Welcome to the Send Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss horse health, nutrition, training and performance. G'day everyone. Uh, we're back again for another instalment for the for the Send Podcast. We've got our, our special guest back again by, by popular demand, Dr. Lena Clifford. And I want to get into a topic which is pretty close to me, and, and that's acupuncture. So I've been getting acupuncture done over the last sort of 10 years, more as a preventative rather than, than, than to try to obviously cure something. And as, as Brian and I always say, prevention is better, is better than cure. So I've, I've been getting maintenance acupuncture for, for a long time now. And look, I, I do it when, I, when I'm, there's a lot of stress going on, just to, you know, if my energy is a little bit low. Um, I do a, a monthly treatment and I find out that it works really well to, to Gimpy and Sync, um, you know, better thoughts, just a lot of benefits. So I want to get into the acupuncture for horses. Lena, how are you? Good. Thank you, Peter. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. So for some of our listeners, they might not know what acupuncture is. Do you want to maybe just briefly introduce um, sort of how you came across acupuncture with, with maybe your story and sort of how it, you know, how it eventuated and we can get into how it works? As the people who have listened to previous podcasts would know, I'm trained as a vet uh, originally and um, trained in Germany and very early on in my career I started to get quite frustrated with certain conditions in that we see on a regular basis in um, all animals really, like subclinical lamenesses, skin conditions, stuff that we really couldn't do that much about it was we could treat symptoms but we were just throwing more and more drugs at the poor um, animals and didn't quite know what else to do about it um, because uh, western medicine is quite limited in certain approaches and um, through a bit of a coincident well coincidence whoever believes in that my parents dog who was a very stable, happy dog for 10 years of her life, um, developed an anxiety when we turned off the lights at night. And that's something that, again, as school medicine, you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. And we got an acupuncturist vet in, and um, I started talking to him a bit about some calves that I was um, having in my PhD studies, and they had diarrhea. And he said, oh, just try this point. Uh, five minutes, one needle, and I thought, oh yeah, whatever that's gonna do to me, uh, uh, to the to the calves, and the bloody things got better because before they were dying like the flies, we we were just lost for anything to do, and acupuncture for me before was something that you could maybe do a bit of pain management for geriatrics like your old dog or something. I never realized you could also do something for internal medicine. And that really opened my eyes and I started to look more and more into it. And um, I ended up working for that vet. He has um, a practice in Germany that's exclusively for Chinese medicine. And he's learned his acupuncture and Chinese medicine skills in Taiwan. He's lived over there and he's been back every two years since, well, for as long as he was allowed, obviously at the moment he's not traveling. And it was a real eye opener, not only to learn the acupuncture, but also um, the other four pillars of the Chinese medicine, so Chinese herbs, um, Twaina, which is a um, massage technique, and um, diet, and you also learn about uh, Qigong, which helps you maintain your body and um, the energy through your body. So that was really interesting, and I got into that more and more, and then in 2011, I decided that to be really good at something, you need to focus on it, so I gave up the school medicine, 
And then over the years, I added the chiropractics and other manual therapies, and I've never looked back. And I think acupuncture is just absolutely fascinating what you can do with it and treat with it. It's really interesting. Look, absolutely fantastic. Like I said, acupuncture is actually over 3,000 years old. And when I was doing research, I nearly sort of fell over when I when I read that. So if we compare sort of modern medicine and, you know... Oh, 300 years. <laughs> well, 300 years, say, compared to 3,000. So there is, you know, there is a space for, for, for acupuncture, obviously, because it's it's been proven over time. You know, it might have been more popular 3,000 years ago than what it was, you know, than what it is today. But in 100 years, it might be more popular or it might be less popular. So anything that stands the the you know the time obviously that, that this has obviously has to have some sort of merit to it for our listeners out there that have might never heard of acupuncture before it's not just obviously for human health uh, it does relate to, to animal health and what i'd like to go into today is more so for horses so when i go for my treatments my therapist obviously will take my pulse and and by that pulse obviously depending what the therapist feels and how they've been educated, they'll know exactly what organs sort of or, or what energy blockages I might have. Is it done a similar way for, for horses, um, if we put it that way? A hundred percent, Peter. So what happens is with the horses, normally when I go and see a horse uh, for acupuncture, then you obviously listen to what the complaint is from the owners, but because animals can't talk and the owners see it from their subjective perspective then what happens is I go in and I feel the pulse and I look at the tongue of the horse so pulse and tongue diagnostic is quite big in um, is a really big part of the diagnostic in Chinese medicine and then I'll also look through what's called the shoe points on the horse's back so the shoe points will give me an idea of um, also which meridians or which organs are affected and which ones are priority. So a lot of the time there's more than one that's affected and then the um, I can sort of work out which one is a priority here through the combination of all the diagnostic tools I have. And then um, acupuncture is basically an insertion, the way we use it nowadays, of a stainless steel needle that is really thin. So the needles I use for the horses are between... 0.18 mils and 0.25 mil thick so they are really thin and they're between probably about the shortest one i use is 30 mils long the longest one for the horses i use in everyday practice is about 40 mils long i have some for emergencies that are 25 centimeters but they are only you know for absolute emergencies so you um, work out which acupuncture um, puncture point to use for your diagnostic and then you insert the needle into that point. There's about a thousand points per side of the horse. So you've got about 2000 points um, in total. So, so you could be there for two weeks treating at one horse. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, so um, it's, see, it's interesting because I see a lot of horses as well that have been treated with acupuncture before and people say it didn't work for them then they say oh I had about 30 or 40 needles in the horse and my approach is very minimal so I try and work out where the underlying causes and just treat that and a lot of the time I'll only use one or two needles the amount of times that I use more than 10 needles is very rare so it's very targeted approach and um, it can be used both for acute or chronic problems but also as you said with yourself like maintenance things for competition horses that um or well any horse really to help them just to maintain their health 
I've I found it personally. I you know when I first sort of started using acupuncture, obviously as a, as a preventative treatment, is that the more needles that practitioner put in, the healthier I'd be. And as you just explained, it it doesn't really work that way. No, it doesn't. So that for, way. for anyone out there that's about to use acupuncture or, or you know has a practitioner that you know doesn't put in a thousand needles for for the thousand points that that, that Lena just mentioned is. You know, it's not, you know, less is more, more is less. It's it's about obviously getting to the blockage area and that's where, where Melina said with the, with the chi. So what the philosophy is or, or maybe the principle and, and I'll try to summarise this to the best that I know and, and please correct me if I don't get it right. We've got our body, the you know, the animal's got their body, energy flows through that body and when obviously there's a blockage of energy in, in that horse, obviously then there's a there's a symptom in that in that area and we try to release that blockage by inserting the needle into a particular point to release that energy so it naturally flows again is, is that about correct yes so um the only thing i would probably add is that you um so when you talk about a blockage that's um in chinese medicine we talk about a stagnation so stagnation everybody knows stagnant water so things are not flowing and they talk about meridians so the meridians um, are like so the Chinese believe that you have your blood vessels that um, transport uh, transport your blood, but then you also have meridians that transport your chi, which is your life energy basically. And depending on whether you've got a stagnation, which usually causes pain, um, you can also have uh, excess of energy or a deficiency of energy. So you can also regulate that. So with the insertion of the needles, you can regulate that kind of energy flow to make it um, harmonious again that's a basic underlying theory if people don't like it quite as esoterical then um, <laughs> you know I, I, I say to a lot of people we don't really understand how it works but we certainly know that it works 100% and I know if there's any bad things with acupuncture, and I'll tell you what the bad thing for me is, if I drink too much gin or I have a really, really big weekend and I go and get a treatment the following week, my practitioner knows that my liver energy is down. <laughs> so I can tell him I haven't been drinking, but he knows that I've been drinking. So yep. I've, I've been caught out a couple of times, oh, you know, it wasn't big or it wasn't that. So this is where I think uh, an experienced sort of therapist with with obviously, you know, the, the diagnosis, um, and I think it's more intuitive too. And correct me if I'm wrong, with, with, because I've had a few practitioners over the years, and sometimes they'll put needles in without thinking why they're putting needles in mm -hmm. because it's, it's just intuition. It's just that's what, that's what they feel is, is, is required. Do you work a similar way as well? Yes. So um, when you look at the way Chinese medicine is taught in uh, China, it's a six-year study. So it's wow. six-year education. So there's a lot of um, theoretical background and you have that as part of your diagnosis, but a lot of the time you'll get to going, okay, I can choose between these three or four points that'll do similar things for what we need. And then you choose by intuition. There's a lot of, and sometimes there is a lot of, I'm just doing it because there is no explanation to it because you start to work in sync with the animal's body. Yeah. And I have known a lot of vets that have had a lot of experience and um, taken a lot of courses and have a lot of theoretical knowledge in acupuncture, but they can't quite seem to make it work yeah. because they don't allow themselves to stop their thinking process and just have a feel of what's actually going on. That's extremely well summarized. So just to put on record, there is no negative effects of acupuncture <laughs> for animals or for humans. The only negative is in my head, I've got to stop drinking so much before I go and get a treatment. <laughs> um, 
I have to correct you there because okay. there can actually be a negative effect. And that is one of the things um, that I sometimes see when people are not that well trained that you can have, if you have an animal where the energy is unbalanced and they're quite low in energy and you unbalance them more, it can get to the point where you can kill that animal with your acupuncture needles. Wow. And that is where I get a bit frustrated sometimes because a lot of these practitioners, because the industry is not regulated, get, you know, they, they learn in a weekend course 30 points and then they use the 30 points on every animal they see and they might get away with that um, for a while. But if they ever hit that horse that has got a really low energy and they unbalance it more, I haven't done it myself, touch wood. Um, even in my early years where I, where I was um, experimenting a lot. Yeah, with oranges and apples, <laughs> putting your needles in. <laughs> exactly. But um, I have seen it happen and it was pretty clear through the history what actually happened and through the history of the horse that that was what happened. So it is a very safe treatment method if you know what you're doing. So you really, this is something that... Um, you need a lot of experience for to do it well. That's probably what, um, yeah, what I want to try and say. Sure, and, and and look, that's a very valid point. I think for our listeners out there, look for someone obviously that's that's you know got the credentials. Probably more so someone that's that is recommended. Mm-hmm. So when I found my practitioner, obviously I did some research for another friend. You know, went went to to the practitioner had really good experience. So then I was comfortable. So this is probably a very similar. Um, environment where you really really have to do your research and find the right one and then obviously stick to that right one because like you said it's not it's not that regulated you can you know you can be a a keyboard acupuncturist you know within within a couple of months so do your research word of mouth as as i said lena let's get into maybe with acupuncture where is the best place basically to to start with in terms of is it good for performance horses is it good for for elderly horses, is it good for, for young horses or is it all of the above? Um, all of the above. I find that most people get me out for performance horses and things like back pain, lamenesses, um, sometimes maybe behavior issues because of the pain or digestive issues that can be caused by stress. Um, diet obviously plays a big role in that side of things. But when you look at, when I get called out to an acupuncture case, if I feel like there's more to it than just a um, a bit of back pain, yep. I will start to talk to people about the whole thing because it's about the holistic approach and trying to sure. ensure the whole health. So if horses are unhappy in the environment they live or they don't get enough or the right nutrition, then that's something that really needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed correctly. And um, I can stick all the needles into the horse I want if they don't get all the nutrients they need, for example, then it's not going to have the effect I will have some kind of effect but not the 100% that I could get if I was um, if everything else was going well with the horse well that's why I think we've got a really good working relationship um, obviously with yourself because we can only do so much with nutrition we can take that box but if that horse is in pain if it's if it's got a low you know low grade lameness or or the digestion just isn't working properly so you're putting all that goodness down its mouth but yet it's not getting fully absorbed into the bloodstream mm. and that's you know that's not the owner's fault that's not the horse's fault but obviously there's a stagnation there somewhere and i think that's where acupuncture can come in and just 
just relieve that stagnation. A hundred percent, yes. And you get really good results with that sort of stuff where you can, I've had horses change coat color in front of my eyes within 20 minutes yeah. from, you know, a dark sort of, um, if you have a black horse, you know, the sun bleach to the yellowish. Yes. And they, they turn into a dark horse again and, and shiny. And you go, how the hell is that possible? It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not quite a miracle. But it's um, what the Chinese were really good in. Um, they obviously didn't know about, say, a virus or a bacterial infection or something like that. But they were really good at observing connections in the body. So you might have a connection between, say, a hind leg lameness a gut issue and a behavior issue or a weeping eye or a snotty nose or something like that, that then is all related. Whereas in school medicine, you'd address that with three different problems. So when I started to look into that, I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at things. And the more you look into it, the more sense it makes. It's almost like putting a puzzle together. Yeah, you've got all those different yeah. pieces and it's like you've got to put the puzzle together. And when you put it together, you actually get to the root cause of the problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I find it's so enjoyable when you treat animals and you get to the underlying cause and you see the changes happening. It's just amazing. And I think that would obviously, you know, if it is pain, you know, obviously if it's if it's severe pain, you want to get on top of it, you know, and that's where I think drugs like Butte sort of come in. But... You don't want that horse to be on 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 butte for for weeks and sort of months on end. So I think this is where the the acupuncture and, and treatment that you offer is, you can actually get to the problem and fix it a lot quicker before it actually becomes like a clinical lameness even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the goal, pretty much. Yeah, what we're yeah. trying to do with this. Yeah, that's exactly right. So trying to um, with the maintenance, trying to avoid as many um, clinical issues as we can. But then if we have a could, um, like an acute lameness or a subclinical lameness or some chronic underlying issues that are going on, uh, it doesn't always resolve everything in one treatment, depending on how long it's been going on for. But um, if it's an acute thing, a lot of the time one treatment is enough. Well, in terms of our performance horse people, should them, is there a, you know, is it a weekly thing? Is it a monthly thing in terms of prevention? Is there any advice or, or any guidance you can give when um, our performance horse people can look at doing a preventative treatment? So for performance horses, it depends a little bit on what level of performance we, um, we're talking about. But I've had Grand Prix horses uh, or race horses or, you know, cross country um, eventers uh, that will get me in, say, a week or two before big competition where they say that the horse needs to be at its peak and then maybe some maintenance a few weeks after that big competition or they'll go oh we've got a big season coming up we'll start to do some maintenance um, while they're spelling to try and get them as best we can and then see depending on what's going on in the horse and what they are expected to be doing then sort of create a bit of a treatment plan for the season to try and work it in with their competitions and with their work um, level and with their workload. I look at it as a, as an insurance policy. So, you know, obviously performance at that elite level is, is, is so competitive and it's so intense. You just got to tick every box and you might have your nutrition box tick. You know, you're, you're doing all the food, you're doing all the supplements, you're doing all the training. The last thing you want is for that horse to be at 90% or 85% going into huge competition. And I think what you said, doing the treatment before before the event and then obviously after, you're just ticking that box. And competition being so you know so tight at the top, you cannot afford to not have that box ticked. Oh, exactly. And we know that from human athletes that they have their nutrition, uh, nutritionists, they have their physios, they have the acupuncturists, they have chiropractors, they have all these people looking after them. 
Um, and when we look at horses, they are athletes too. So why don't we get a team on board that makes sure everything is in perfect condition? When we looked at the Olympics, for example, there were some vets that were working there at the Olympics that I personally know and that um, will integrate that acupuncture or and the chiropractic and all that sort of stuff into the horse's daily routine, basically. They don't get treated daily with acupuncture. You don't need a daily treatment, but they will get them checked and make sure they catch things before they actually become, we see clinical signs of problems. Well, I think this is where, you know, obviously having like the Western medicine and having, you know, like the TCM stuff, it really works well together. And as you make a good point, and this is more with nutrition that we get, you know, we get a lot of sort of potential new clients and even like clients that weren't clients are sent that now our clients are sent is that, I think nutrition isn't really, um, it's not respected for, for what it needs to be because it's a very important part. It's like it's like putting a bad fuel in your car, you know, or, or not changing your oil at the recommended service intervals. When a car is new, it's gonna be okay, you know, but as the years sort of creep up, those corners that were cut, maybe not intentionally, they're gonna come back to haunt that, that particular car or that particular horse. Well, do you wanna know a really interesting fact um, about the Chinese medicine. In old China, you had the Twaina, which is a massage, your diet, your Qigong, and your herbs that were used for basically maintenance. And the acupuncture was basically used for acute things or something that they needed a little bit more. And the people would pay their doctors while they were he healthy. Mm. They would pay the doctors to keep them healthy. If they were sick, they would stop paying the doctors. So that's a really interesting system. And I see a lot of getting into the diet, Peter, when you look at the horses nowadays where, say, we feed them a really high grain diet that the horses have not adapted to over their evolution, that it causes a lot of imbalances from a Chinese point of view. And if we can balance that out a bit and have a better diet, um, diet is such a huge part. Chinese medicine, they even talk about when in humans, how when you cook, when to add ingredients so they all harmonize with each other and things. So it's really important to look at that. And I think it's very overlooked in horses and in their performance because traditionally they say, feed a bit of hay, a bit of grain, maybe a little bit of oil and you'll be happy. And, you know, if it gets a bit fancy, maybe add a bit of a supplement from minerals. But there's not a lot of emphasis probably on how to really get the best out of the horses instead of running at what you said, 85%. Let's get the last 15% out of them and really make them able to perform at that top level and really come into themselves. Look, that's a, that's a fantastic point. And I think it, it stems through too is that equine nutrition, it hasn't really been taught through the generations. It's, it's like, well, you know, Tommy used to do this and then, then his son, you know, did the same thing and then his son did the same thing. And it's like, well, you know, we've gone 100 years and we're still doing the same thing as what we were. Look, maybe not 100 years, but let's just say 50 years. We're still feeding the same way as what, as what we were 50 years ago. But if you, with your example, is you look at professional athletes or, or the elite athletes that all went to, to the Olympics, I'm sure their training has changed from the previous Olympics. I'm sure their diets have, be, have become more advanced than, than, than the last Olympics. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, 100%. And I think um, with the horses, I think you're actually a little bit conservative there with your 50 years. I think we're looking more at 250 years that Jeez. we have changed things. I'll take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being generous, am I? Kind. <laughs> well, there's a lot of... when We're a little bit limited with the horse's diet, I think, 
when we say, you know, we feed it hay, so we feed it grass, but when you see a horse walking around the paddock, it'll pick out all different herbs and different, um, say, the leaves of a certain tree, or it'll eat a bit of bark here, or um, it even, a lot of horses will eat a little bit of a toxic plant at a certain time of the year to detox or to help with certain things or to activate certain things, but they'll only eat enough if they if they have the choice, they'll only eat enough to get the benefit out of that and not poison themselves. And is it going back to the to the horse basically using its own intuition to yeah. eat as much as what it needs? Yeah, and horses know. Um, I find horses, especially with the Chinese herbs, a lot of the time I'll get them to have a smell of the herbs. And um, some herbs, when you smell them, you go, oh, that's very intense. I don't know if any horse would eat mm -hmm. that. And some literally want to climb into that bottle because they say, I need this, I want this, this is something I really want to get into. And it's the same with acupuncture. When people say, oh, my horse is needle phobic, can I use acupuncture on the horses? Because the acupuncture needles are so thin, uh, they don't usually relate it. It's, it's not the same um, connection they make as to an injection needle. Correct. But also because of the approach you take with the acupuncture to balance the energy, most horses really enjoy that kind of treatment. Um, when I, there's one thing though, when you look at really acute onset pain and stuff, my, um, my vet, uh, the vet I learned the acupuncture from, he very dryly one day said to me as, uh, after I got kicked in the knee and, um, I was a bit naive about how to go about these things. He, um, very dryly said to me, well, nobody ever said acupuncture doesn't hurt. <laughs> So if you release, yeah. So if you hit a point that is really stagnant, it is like touching an electric fence. I've tried it, and it really hurts. I don't know if you had that experience. I have. You just want to jump off the bed, literally. Yep. It's like an electric shock. Yeah, but um, that doesn't happen that often. Most most of the time, the horses really like it, and it's um, one of the things. If I now I can mostly predict if the point is going to be really sore and people go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just warn them and say, just talk to your horse and give them a bit of scratch. But once the needle is in, then you can see the big release in the change because it's like an instant release. This stagnation is gone. You go, oh, that feels so much better. So, yeah. Well, I look at it as a positive, like you said, like, and I have been obviously, you know, needle a couple of times in a, in a point that has been really, really sore. But you get the shock initially, but then after when the needle comes out, you do feel such a relief mm. that it's just it's just cleared. Mm. So, you know, like they say, sort of, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain. Yep. So it's it's true. One point I do want to make as well um, on top of what you just said is, so this is a pretty scary fact. If you're looking at pasture and the grass, it's about 70% water. Hay is about 10% water. So if your horse has gone from a previous home at 70% water with pasture and now it's on a hay only diet at 10% and you haven't obviously added the extra salt you haven't you know it's not drinking as much as what it should might be in a new environment it might be stress so this is where I think the nutrition as well as the the you know the alternative therapies like like acupuncture and things like that work really well together and this is why I think diet is the fundamental fact because if you get your diet wrong you're chasing your tail then with, you know, with treating the symptoms. So what we want to do is we want to get the diet right. Then obviously if the, if the symptoms have not rectified themselves once, once the diet, you know, box has been ticked and you get, you get a practitioner like, like Dr. Lena and to obviously look at any other issues that might be happening between those two things, you're probably going to get to the root cause of the problem. Yeah. 
in most cases i would agree i think the only thing that i would maybe add there um in the horse world that also hasn't changed in about 250 years is a hoof care because what horses stand on and walk on is just so important there's the saying no hoof no horse is it's so true so yes between the diet um the feet and then trying to holistically balance everything you you reduce your vet bills to basically nothing well you know the gold standard seems to be if you got poor hooves you know let's just throw biotin at the horse but but you know it's you know um, maybe you can just briefly go into why biotin's not the silver bullet well the first thing is that we spoke about that in a podcast before that uh, when we have bad hoof balance we can reduce the blood flow into the foot up to 70 percent so regardless of what i put into the horse whether it's biotin or something else if it doesn't get there or only 30 percent of it gets there how are we going to affect that it's not going to affect anything that much so um, trying to balance um, the foot and um, have a really good diet so actually the nutrients that the horse gets can then get to where they should be and we have a good blood flow through the horse and then um, we have no stagnation with the chi and stuff, everything is flowing nicely. You end up with, yeah, just an overall package. Whereas if you have really bad feet, you can feed whatever you like and you have the best diet in the world. If it doesn't get there because you don't have the blood flow, it can't help you. Well, I think from our end, sort of at Send, if we can get the nutrition box ticked in your horse, some of our listeners out there, you know, you're feeding a scent program, you know, you see a little bit of an improvement, but not the improvement that you expected. It's almost, you know, a giveaway that there might be some sort of pain or soreness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just one, obviously, less step that, that our, you know, our listeners have eliminated to, to getting closer to, to the problem itself. But if you've got a poor diet and you're not looking sort of for the saunas or at the saunas and, you know, like throwing pain medication is not, you know, is not the long-term fix here. So it's, it's almost a process of elimination. It definitely is. And a lot of the horses we see um, on an everyday basis, you have s- such a multifactorial problem. So they might have the husbandry is not working as well as it should because they might be stressed in the paddock. They, they might be a paddock might they don't get on with. Then the diet is not optimal. So they don't feed the horse what the horse really needs then we might have really bad feet, we might have bad training, we might might have ill-fitting gear, we might have bad teeth, so the horse can't chew what, you know, masticate what it, what it should. Yeah. And um, the saliva is not produced, so it buffers the stomach acid, and then we get ulcers. And it's, if we have horses like that, it's not enough just to change a diet or just to change a feet or just to ch- change a training or the environment. You have to address all of it to be able to have best outcome. I'll get a good outcome with one of addressing one of the things, but it won't get you to the 100% that you're after. What we might have to get you to do is, you know, is we might have to get you to do a checklist maybe. Um, we can, you know, we can upload on our website or we can, we can send out to our, to our listeners. It's because it's, it, it almost is a checklist, isn't it? You've got to tick that box, tick that box, go through, go through, go through. It might sound simple to us because we're sort of in the industry, but maybe someone who's just, you know, got their first horse or, or, or if it's one of our sort of younger listeners that, that you know, like mum and dad have got the, you know, like the first horse for their, for their daughter or son, they will not know where to look or where to start. So I think maybe these podcasts, why we want to do them is just try to get the education and, and, and information out there because, you know, Dr. Google gets a really big workout, you know, most weeks and everyone's there on their weekends and spending all their, all their life trying to, you know, look for, for, for cures and treating symptoms and doing all this sort of stuff. 
but um but it it is very complicated but it's not if you do have people working with you that know what they're doing 100% i agree we can we can make a checklist that we can work on that and put something together and um yeah just see what people also maybe want to know more about um and if there's anything that you guys want to listen to or yeah just have a little bit more information to just um, let us know and we'll get on to it awesome as a take-home message just to summarize acupuncture for for horses is there any one last message or, or any sort of points or anything that you'd like to leave the podcast for for our listeners with i probably would say once you open this specific can of worms you might be opening pandora's box so be prepared that there might not be a way back from this. <laughs> you might need to take your, your mobile number off your website. <laughs> it's so bad, it's gonna go. Or we might have to change our number at Sen here. <laughs> just joking, just joking. Um, but look, it is, it, is a, you know, it is a therapy that's been around for, for over 3,000 years. So I, I personally use it and, and, I, and I rave about it to everyone. So if it works for me, there's no reason why it would not work on your, on your horse as well. Um, Look, Dr. Lena does offer her services. She she is obviously um, you know limited to how many horses she she can treat as well. Um, so you know just do your research. Obviously, if you if you're interstate as well, try to get um you know get a recommendation from a from a family or friend. Um, and and you know just look at you know look at alternative therapies because it's it's you know nutrition's a tick. You know, you know your vets you know is another tick. But you have to look at alternative therapies as well for for you know not just performance horses it's for it's for all walks of horses basically that's very true awesome well we'll be we'll be back again next week with another podcast we'd like to thank dr lena our, our special guest um she, she will be back again in in a couple of weeks with um with a few more topics that, that we will cover but um it's all it's all good for now and thank you for your time thank you peter thank, thank you. you for having me thanks lena bye bye